Welcome back to Edgework here on the Hammer Betting Network, a daily live NHL show Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Today is Friday, May 12th, and the first team of the second round has been eliminated. So, Rob, you know what we can at least say here as Leafs fans? The Leafs made it to the final seven. They were not the first team out in the second round. I don't care that it's by date. We can at least hold that true and say, you know what, we didn't get through. Uh, we, we didn't get eliminated first in the second round so uh the badge of honor will carry with us but as we talk about uh, the different games here today as we recap what went on yesterday and as we look ahead to uh some of the different markets that we might be able to bet on in the upcoming games here one of the best places to do that would be at pinnacle sportsbook you can see it on the bottom of the screen there in the bottom corner the pinnacle sportsbook is the world's sharpest sportsbook and available to bettors in ontario you can find out what professional bettors have known for for decades, Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly, not available in the U.S. Rob, we introduced a new segment on Circles Off this week. So for those who listen to Circles Off, it is a sports betting podcast as part of the Hammer Betting Network, hosted by Rob and Johnny from Betstamp. I produced that, so I, I feel okay stealing this segment a little bit here, but I'm going to just have to do this to open it up for you, okay? Mm-hmm. Sharp or square take? The Carolina Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup. Brent Burns is the con, uh, uh, the con Smythe Trophy winner. Sharp or square take? That's a really tough one. I think Carolina is the team where there's not a single person that stands out. I would say Brent Burns probably gets it right now because they've gone to different goaltenders over the course of the playoffs. I don't think Freddie Anderson will have played enough to earn him the con Smythe. From a forward perspective, it's been a lot of shared scoring. I mean, I don't know how this the the, the, the Hurricanes do it. They're just such a well-built team where you can lose guys like Pacioretty, Vechnikov, Teravainen, and it's just like, ah, we keep rolling on and you know playing with solid teams in the playoffs, especially yeah. this Devils team. Uh, but yeah, I would say Burns right now is probably the most likely candidate if Carolina wins the Cup. Just watching the rate that this guy is scoring at, man, how how much does it feel like if Carolina had Brent Burns maybe over the past couple of years, things could have gone differently for them, even including some of the guys that you just mentioned who are out right now. Let's discount or take away Pacioretty because this is his first season with the Canes, but, you know, Svechnikov being out, Terravine and being out currently. You throw those guys back in the mix and a couple of the previous seasons, you throw in a guy like Brent Burns, it feels like the outlook of that team is very, very different. I, I you know, I also think Brendamore is is a great, great coach. I mean, if we if we look at this Carolina team, this is going on like a decade now. Not where they've had the success that they've had now, but underlying metrics have been good for this team for a long time. And they were kind of unlucky for a while where people couldn't figure it out. They were like the the expected goals, uh, Cinderella's at, you know, at some point where it was just like, oh, you know, expected goals. Carolina's always top five while they can't even make the playoffs. Now that's turned. I I mean, I'm not like a narrative-based guy, but I do have eyes. I watch games. I remember back to the Leafs game where they lost to the Zamboni driver with Carolina. And like the amount of effort that every Hurricanes player put in in that game, and you kind of see it throughout the playoffs here. I think that stems from the coach. I don't want to take away like anything from the team, but I just think that, Everything works for that organization. Um, now, that's not to say that they're, you know, a lock to win the Stanley Cup or anything like that. I mean, I still have some concerns about the overall makeup of their forward group, but they just get it done. And like every yeah. shift seems to be such a hardworking shift for that team. Um, it, it's really, it's really impressive what they've done. And and for me, Rod Brindamore is one of the best coaches in the entire league. Yeah, and you talk about the kind of, even aside from, hey, X's and O's, the strategy of things, how are we going to make changes throughout the course of a game? One thing that is important is the character and the culture of a team in the locker room. And I think it sets a pretty good example when you have a guy who won a Stanley Cup himself as a player, was a consummate professional during his time in the league. And you hear all these stories about him. I mean, 
uh, for those who listen to Toronto Sports Radio here, you hear the story of Jeff O'Neill's told of Rod Brendamore. He said the day that they go into their exit meetings to finish the season, they've been eliminated from the playoffs, finish their exit meeting, Jeff O'Neill's walking out of the building and he hears clanking in the weight room, walks past and Rod Brendamore's in there already, getting ready for the next season. Or you hear current players saying that they go in for their morning workouts Rod's been in there for an hour. They leave after an hour, hour and a half, and Rod's still there after they leave. Like, this guy is just a workhorse and just instills that in the rest of the team, whether it be from, hey, being in the gym or just the actual effort level you bring every single time you're on the ace and the intensity that you bring. Seems like those guys would be ready and willing to run for a, run through a wall for him. And if you have that kind of atmosphere, if you're willing to do it for your coach, it starts to kind of just turn to, hey, we're, we'll do it for that guy. I'll do it for the guy next to me as well. And then that just builds up and helps atmosphere. But you definitely see it in the way the team plays. Like, there's not too many clunkers for the Carolina Hurricanes, right? Like, a lot of top teams here and there, you just have, like, oh, that game where they didn't show up. You very, very yeah. rarely get that with Carolina. It's a very hardworking team. I definitely say that, like, I, I, I think that their metrics um, are, like, consistently outperform their actual talent level as a team. And to me, that's a sign of really good coaching because, you know, you, you look at their, their forward group right now that they're running for the playoffs and I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't want to disrespect players because there's a lot of good players in there, but you put that like their top nine up against a lot of the other top nines that are still available, you know, still around in the playoffs. And you're like, how do these teams do it? Even just coming off this win over New Jersey, New Jersey's top nine offensively is great. And they, you know, match them toe to toe for the entirety of the series. I thought that game last night was fantastic, by the way. It was one of the more enjoyable hockey playoff games of the year. Yeah. Devils and, and Carolina. There's just so much on the line. Lots of chances back and forth. And uh, ultimately, I, I, you know, I had a small edge on Carolina to win this series prior to it starting. I didn't want to bet Carolina because it's like, ah, the Devils, like their forward group is just so much deeper. And here we are again. The Hurricanes win one more time, and they they you know, they look good in the process of doing that. It's not like it was a lucky win or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, things could have potentially shaped up differently last night if uh, Timo time comes through mm -hmm. on that little empty net empty opportunity that he had. But yeah. Uh, yeah, blame it on the cage. Blame it mm -hmm. on the cage. Uh, last thing for this Carolina team before we move forward to the other game that took place last night. Uh, Eric asking here, thoughts on Burns plus 3,700, Con Smythe. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Rob? It's hard for me to, to, to do that on the spot because I'd have to look at what I have Carolina to win the Stanley Cup in terms of percentage, and then I would have to estimate Burns. I would say that it just feels like a bad number. It feels like there's value in that number. Let's put it that way. And typically speaking, though, like these Con Smythe markets – you have a lot of built-in hold for the sports book in a futures market like this. You're typically not going to find some great bets. Uh, but the top of the board, as I looked at it yesterday, seemed to be, you know, Dry Seidel, McDavid, yeah. um, you know, like the the who's who's. And there's really no one that comes to mind on Carolina that that is like, you know, I gotta bet this person, but I do think that Burns is most likely right now. Um, Connor, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, Timo, dead to him. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I think that there's a lot of promise for that New Jersey team, though. You see what they did last year, and then compare that to this year and the steps that they took and uh, just kind of the building that went on around them. And you see Akira Schmid, I think that, yeah, you had a, uh, I guess he probably had a couple of rough games throughout the course of these playoffs. But that being said, I think that you found something there with him. Hopefully that can kind of continue to build and pan out as well as with those young guys as they get another year of maturity. Maybe you yep. get an opportunity to re-sign Timo there, but I think there's a good future ahead for those for that New Jersey team. Uh, <laughs> get our Devils Leafs Eastern Conference next year. Well, if that's the case, we'll find a way down to New Jersey, uh, Connor. But the other game that takes place last night, Rob, the... Dallas Seattle game. Dallas mm -hmm. wins that one five to two, taking a three to two series lead. That was quick. I mean, I was watching the overtime of New Jersey Carolina. You flip over to that game, it's two nothing. 
And I'm sitting there going, wow, Dallas must have taken it to them early. And at least just by a shot standpoint, when I flipped over and it was 2 nothing, the shots were 13, I believe it was 13 or 14-5 Seattle. And I was going, what is happening here? So I didn't catch the very beginning of that game watch the highlights of the goals but just in terms of the play like i I know you said you're watching a lot like what happened last night in the dallas seattle what uh, progressed from that point on so i watched the third period of uh kraken stars it was three two i'm like yeah i'll tune in to watch this what was very interesting to me is that if you didn't have a scoreboard on that game for the third period you would have thought dallas was the team that was chasing the game They had an extremely dominant third period where Seattle being down one and then being down two pretty much could not generate anything. They got killed um, on the four check from the Dallas Stars in that third period. So that was super impressive. And honestly, there is a talent discrepancy between the teams. It's not a, you know, I don't want to discredit Seattle. It's nice that they've gotten to this point, but they do not have the star power that the Dallas Stars do up top uh, in their lineup. And you could just kind of see that cycle game working for Dallas. And it was, I, I, I'm like, honestly, if, if you didn't know what the score was, you would have thought Dallas was down by two goals, the way that they were pressing. It, it was kind of refreshing to see because most teams in the NHL, they go into the third period with that one goal lead. And it's just like, let's not make the mistake, collapse yeah. to the front of the net, block as many shots as we can. And the Stars didn't do that. So they've the now NHL's taken a, parked the bus. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, it's I guess it's hard as a player to convince yourself like we're trailing when we're winning or something like that. But again, like the best word I could use is refreshing. It, it it was it was great to watch a team that's up in the series, up uh, sorry, up in the in the game, taking it to another team. Um, yeah. And I mean, Dallas to me is still like that. We haven't gotten like the best of Jake Ottinger in this playoffs either. He's had some bad games. They're a pretty scary, deep team. Maybe not like the the household names like the McDavid and Dry Seidels in the in the West, but going into the playoffs, I really, really like the Oilers in the West. Now, as now as I've watched more playoffs, I really do think Dallas could potentially give them a run. And by the way, the Oilers still have to get past the Knights. It's not a, a given that that's going to happen either. But Dallas is a deep team, and they can they can roll three lines. And Miro Heiskanen is like. A, a machine that guy he's just yes. such a great player yeah and his face is like this big right i know yeah. <laughs> it is massive um, with the bubble on uh but he's been incredible so far there you go moretto we are all stars um yeah and figured moretto was gonna be happy with the results of that one last night but the dallas team is a fun team to watch i mean just the way that they play kind of even as a unit some of the systems that are implemented and, um just the full team buy-in that you kind of get from them i find it pretty pretty enjoyable to watch it is th- this is a personal pet peeve of mine i don't want to offend people in the chat or who are fans of like smaller market teams or anything but like the thought of the final four teams in the nhl you know, oh, no. being like Florida, Carolina, one of Dallas or Seattle, maybe Vegas. Like that to me is somewhat vomit inducing. I'm I'm sorry, people. Like I, I just like I would like to see like a big hockey market make a run again at some point. But it is what it is. This is like Gary Bettman's basically dream at this point. Like he's salivating yeah. at like the Imagine Vegas and Seattle in the conference finals. It'd be Gary Bettman would be like the South Park meme in front of the computer. You know, he's just like, you know, it, it's. I, I personally can't handle it, but this is coming from a depressed Leafs fan. So, this is Gary's dream right now. This is his dream, but I'm just. I can't. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about it. Uh, as far as tonight's games go, I'm talking about a team with an opportunity here to eliminate a team uh, and have the second team go out in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. One of those small market teams that you're talking about, Rob, for them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and face off against Carolina, that would be the Florida Panthers currently up three to one in this series, heading back to Toronto here now for game five. We look at the odds for this one. We got plus 152 
money line for the Florida Panthers tonight. The Leafs currently sitting at minus 169. And to nobody's surprise, the best odds for both sides are at the Pinnacle Sportsbook right now. And you look across, we're looking at the total of six and a half. You can find that at minus 118 on the over. And the under six and a half, you can find plus 105. Rob, is there anything you would be looking to play in this game here tonight? Would you possibly be looking to get behind a money line, a total, or would you look towards the player prop market here? So I do have a player prop that I, I like. Now, I'll, I'll speak to the to the full game market for the time being. This is never a Leafs bet, in my opinion. Never. At this price, some people might take the Leafs in regulation to reduce the juice or minus one and a half at, at the plus 145 prices that are out there. I could not bet the Leafs in this price range. Now, they are going home where I, I believe that they've played really well in this series, especially Game 2. Game 1 was more of a coin flip, but overall, Leafs returning home are playing well. The challenge for me is that we saw the Leafs in Game 4 play a very different brand of hockey than we're accustomed to, accustomed to them seeing. So they played a lot of 2-3 in the offensive zone, which means that a, a third forward was floating up high. That's how Mitch Marner scored his goal, the game-winning goal. And typically speaking, teams play that type of um, offensive zone style when they're looking to limit uh, odd man rushes the other way. So they always have one forward back to make it a three-on-three. Three. You know, four-on-three is a lot easier to defend than when it's three-on-two or two-on-one the other way. So the Leafs are playing a very defensive brand of hockey. They blocked a ton of shots. Everyone in Toronto is very excited about the way they, they play last game, which is like the most complete game of the playoffs. If that's the most complete game of the playoffs for the Leafs, then there's a real problem because it was still pretty much a coin flip when it all comes down to it. It was a very low event game where the Leafs managed to score on some of their chances. The Marner goal, a very low expected goal, you know, just basically a wrister from the point. It happens. Yeah. Those will go in. But I'm not as enamored with Toronto playing that style as maybe some other people are. Uh, and again, I think this is just like a results over process. That's not the way I work. Work Game three was a dud for the Leafs, no doubt. Horrible, horrible game. But they played pretty fast, up-tempo style hockey, game one and game two. And I thought that they were unlucky not to win either of those games. Now, the total in the game, you have... Typically speaking, like people are getting burned betting these overs. These are two teams where, you know, in the regular season, you wouldn't see six and a halves at all. Um, we get to game five now where typically speaking, power plays go down, but power plays have already been down in this series, especially since game three and game four where they haven't called much. So I'm not sure how much that has an impact. I would not bet the over in this game. I do think even on home ice, the Leafs play a very defensive brand of hockey Sheldon Keefe will still try to get his matchups in uh, yeah. in the offensive zone, uh, which will lead me to my player prop. But I, I think this is another good spot for Willie, Niel Willie Nylander. I'm betting him shots on goal over three and a half. Um, pretty much any of the prices in market right now are good on William Nylander over. And why I particularly like it for this game is, Honestly, I think he's been the best player for the Leafs in this series. Very noticeable for every single game. He does direct a lot of pucks at the net. But in specific, at home, Sheldon Keefe loves to play these matchups. He will throw Nylander out in the offensive zone a ton in this game. And we've kind of already seen it. Games one and two against the Panthers, Nylander had six and seven shots on goal in both of those games. Played a lot in the offensive zone. And I really think Keefe is going to look for those matchups. So, Panthers ice the puck. Who's coming over the boards? Nylander, Matthews, Marner together uh, at some times. Nylander, Tavares, O'Reilly together sometimes. Yeah. But he's going to be heavily utilized here. So uh, I like the over three and a half shots on goal. Um, you could play Nylander for a goal as well. I just didn't think the prices were all that great relative to the shot on goal prop. But uh, I, I think he's been the Leafs' best player in this series, at least their best forward. And uh, I, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities around the net tonight in the offensive zone. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think he's been the Leafs' most uh, most dangerous player on offense as well. There, I think that's like a good way to uh, look at it. So we'll take the over shots, over three and a half shots on goal, minus one eleven. Uh, Rob, what would you be interested in playing this to? We're currently seeing minus one eleven. Uh, if you look around, you're finding one. 12 120 122 118s out there how far would you be willing to go on this price i'd go up to all honestly all the way up to minus 130 on this i think it's a pretty sizable edge the big the big concern and what for me is that nylander's no longer on power play one but he hasn't been for the entirety of the series and he's still been generating a lot of good looks second big concern would be the leafs potentially get out to a lead in this one a two nothing three nothing type of thing which, I mean, is not a concern for me as a Leafs fan, don't get me wrong, but from a betting perspective, that's not the scenario that you want for William Nylander minutes down the stretch either. So, yeah. um, but I think it's, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, uh, there, I don't want to say a lot of motivation. There's obviously motivation for both teams, but Leafs win that game. They get the momentum a little bit coming home. I think the first period tonight, we'll we'll know a lot about how this game's going to unfold, but I, I think Nylander will be all over it. Yeah, and I said, like, 3-2 is a very, I mean, obviously, it's a very easy statement to make, but 3-2 is a very, very different feel than it is even right now, currently setting up the 3-1. to one. Uh, Just once you get that 3-2, it starts to put pressure maybe not pressure but like that nerve back on the team who was holding the three to one series lead because now you're looking at you had a two-game buffer over the other team and now you're in a position where you have to get this done because not getting it done in the next one means that this thing is going to a legitimate coin flip and it is back and forth to the game seven spot i i think that that's just one of those ones where for anybody it's not just this series it's like if new jersey wins last night and they make that thing three two it's one of those moments where it just puts back on carolina like okay now we're back into one here now we're back in a position where we have to win this next game and that can put a little bit it depends on the team but it can put a little bit of nerve back into them i think that that changes things and the other thing is you get to 3-2 in this spot, if you're the team trailing, there is a whole different vibe in your locker room because you were essentially announced dead. Yep. And you you came back to the 3-1 and people said, ah, oh, you know, it could happen. But then 3-2, you have a whole different set of life inside of you. You you have a different feeling in that locker room where in a, in a way it feels like you're playing with house money at that point because you're just kind of sitting there like, you know, we, we were expected to lose this once we got ourselves into that position. And now, like, we win this next one and, and we could take things into our own hands. The big thing for me is that, you know, what, when the Leafs went down 0-3, you get all the talk about how only four teams in NHL history have come back down from 0-3. I remember the last time, which was 2014, it was the Kings and the Sharks. I remember that series vividly. But the thing is, typically speaking, the team that goes down... 3-0 in a series is usually the worst team. In this case, whatever you want to think about Toronto and Florida, obviously the way that the market priced these teams in the first three games, Toronto is widely considered to be better than Florida. Look at what the series mm-hmm. price was earlier. So you have the better team down 0-3. They're going to be favored in every game going forward. The Leafs will be they're going to be favored in every game in this series. So it's not that much of a long shot to come back down and win four in a row, four games where you're favored. I mean, honestly, my numbers going into tonight, really quickly here, I have the Leafs winning this series 22.5% of the time, which is more than one in five, just under one in four. That's not like inconceivable, and it's because the Leafs are better than Florida. Now, the better team doesn't always win in the playoffs. It's why we play the games, but it's a very different situation to like five years ago the St. Louis Blues playing the Colorado Avalanche in the first round where Colorado's like a minus 500 favorite in the series they go up 3 nothing yeah the other the blues are dead at that point like they're not going to they're not going to win the series this is a team that's going to be favored in every game so it's very different um but i mean i i i think a lot of these games with the exception of game i think game 2 clearly the leafs should have won game 3 clearly florida should have won 1 and 4 in my opinion were very much coin flips I think we're going to see a lot of coin flips the rest of this series as well. If if it's going to be low event hockey like Game Four, where you know most of the shots are coming from the point, nothing in tight, not a lot of power plays. 
you essentially you need the Leafs to win three coin flips. Um, so money also bringing up here, which is a good point. No more extra days in between for Bob to got to go every other night. So there's something to that. The, um, one, one thing, the, so with Bobrovsky, obviously he's playing at a, a very high caliber now relative to where we've seen him for the past three or four years. What he's done especially well in this series is come out of his net to cut down angles. And really, if you look at a lot of the shots the Leafs have had in this series, it's basically they're not even looking at any of the net because he's out so far. And they have not, typically speaking, in the past, whenever you have a goalie that comes this far out of the net, we saw it with Marc-Andre Fleury in the playoffs for years as well, where he really would come out and cut down the angles. you got to find a way to pass around him into the net, generate good cross, you know, cross seam opportunities and stuff like that and toronto the pop just, baby the pop pass off pad that's how you got to find you got to find ways to incorporate those in there too i mean look it, you remember last year in the series against tampa vasilevsky came out far i think it was in game seven or game five at home vasilevsky came out pretty far marner coming down the right right side defenseman in between the matthews over on the other side once vasilevsky came out to challenge that Pass off pad. Matthew's off the other side. I, I agree to 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 a certain extent, but now you actually, I I've noticed like the Leafs are actually shooting at pads. They have been early. Like I th- I think the book on Bobrovsky is the guy's going to leave a lot of rebounds, which he is. Yeah. Look at the start of game two, right? Like those goals were pretty ugly, just rebounds in front of the net. But like you yeah. get to a two-on-one, three-on-two, Leafs have had some looks where it just looks like they're actually shooting to create a rebound, and I'd rather just they shoot to create a goal or just try to pass it, pass their way into the net. Um, right. But we'll see. I mean, still, they got they got the one win, alleviates a little bit of pressure. It was a game where you could clearly see they laid it all out on the line. Tons of block shots, Noel Achari, Luke Shen. Like, yeah. guys came up big. And just got to do more of that. But this is a home game tonight, and I don't want them to fall into like playing a road game at home. I think that that's just a really dumb thing to do. Yeah. Final thing on this game here: thoughts on Leafs plus one and a half games plus one eighty. Jordan asking. Um. So this is just basically like a derivative of the market prices right now. I will say this: I'm closer to. First of all, I bet Florida two games in this series. I don't think I will bet the Leafs at any point in this series. So I'm going to say that I don't like that bet just because of the way, like where Toronto has been priced in this series. Um, So I'm not a fan of it. I hope, I hope that wins, but um, I mean, I hope it wins because the Leafs win the series, not because they lose in seven. That would just be super depressing. Yeah, that would be pretty depressing. All right, one more game to get to here for tonight, and then we'll get to our recap and go through all the picks for today. But as we do that, you'll see that as we're pulling up the games and looking at the odds and trying to figure out which ones have the best odds, we're using the BetStamp app to do so and making sure we are always getting the best odds, whether it is on games, futures, or player props, because we feel the easiest way to improve as a sports better is by using multiple sports books and always getting the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like BetStamp to do so. BetStamp compares odds across all the different markets that I just mentioned, whether it is the games, futures, or these player props. You can save time and money by checking BetSamp before you bet, make sure to download the app today as well. If you're looking at a book here today or you hear one brought up that you don't already have and you're looking to bet at that book, you can sign up using betstamp.app slash edgework as well as clicking the link in the description to this video or podcast however you're choosing to consume this right now. So make sure to check that out. That is betstamp.app slash edgework. Any signups done through this page help support the show. So we do appreciate it. And final thing I will ask of people to support the show. If you're watching and you haven't hit the like button already, there's just no no reason not to. You can smash the like button. It takes two seconds to do so, whether you're watching this live right now, whether you're watching it back after, doesn't matter. Hit the like button, help support the show. If you're listening on podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff does help support the show. So thank you guys so much for doing that. And as well, Hit that subscribe button here on Edgework HQ YouTube channel. We do appreciate that. Rob, one last game here tonight. We'll talk about this. There's an even series, 2-2, now heading back to Vegas in this one for game five. Before we get into it, I gave my rant yesterday, so I don't need to give get too much into it here again. I think so money appreciated it based on what he was looking for out of the NHL Department of Player Safety, but 
What are your thoughts on the outcomes of the Darnell Nurse suspension as well as the Petrangelo suspension for his slash on Leon Dreisaitl? I think it's a cop-out by Department of Player Safety just to take both guys for one game. Honestly, I'm a big fan of playoff hockey. I think that when you deliberately go out and try to injure people, like there is intent to injure on the play, that's no longer within the realm of like good old-fashioned playoff hockey. Like obviously this stuff used to happen in the 60s and 70s and the 80s, you know, Go look up old Bobby Clark videos when he played for the Flyers of him just swinging a stick around the ice, trying to break people's ankles and stuff like that. But like, it's a different game now. And I think they've really missed the mark. Like, and not only just for this, but for the entirety of the postseason. Like, yep. the bunting suspension. And listen, obviously, I'm wearing the leaf hat, so you can accuse me of some sort of inherent bias. I actually have no problem with bunting getting a three game suspension for a direct shot to the head. That, to me, is not a hockey play. That's trying to hurt someone. You injure Eric Chernak in, in Series 1. But if Bunting did the exact same thing that Alex Pietrangelo did to Leon Dreisaitl, he would probably get suspended. I'm not exaggerating for the rest of the playoffs. Like, this would be viewed as, like... And, and you know, you, you, can't, you can't do that. Like, it's actually absurd to me that he's, he's getting one game. And, and even the comparisons on Twitter is like, uh, they should give Pietrangelo two, you know, what he did was slightly worse than Nurse. It's like, no, you're the department of player safety. Your goal is to ensure that people play. You know, you can't have Andrew Cogliano breaking his neck, getting hit from yeah. behind into the boards, and then not even a suspension for that hit. That can't happen. You're you're there to protect the players as much as, as humanly possible. And to me... Honestly, if I were in those shoes, I would have made a huge example of Pietrangelo because that's the type of that's the type of play that is just like behind the play, completely irrelevant. Go take a shot at another like a star player. Leon Dreisaitl is arguably the best player in the league right now, and you're allowing a player just to take liberties on him behind the play. And yeah, the best comparison is like think about what would happen. And I know hockey, the NHL, is not a different league. But think about what would happen in the NBA if someone just destroyed LeBron James after a play late in a game. In the NFL, if someone made a horrible, reckless hit on Patrick Mahomes in a, in a game, you would, like, there would be may- mayhem would ensue off of that. One game for su- suspension for P- Petrangelo is a joke, in my opinion. Nurse, yeah. listen, that's within the rules, okay? So, like... It, for me, Edmonton fans are arguing, oh, the, the appeal, the, it should have been overturned. Wasn't It was an instigator penalty. I mean, he instigated a fight inside the last five minutes of a game. That's an automatic one-game suspension within the rules. Fine. But, like, don't even compare what, like, what Nurse did to what Pietrangelo did. Like, that's a different story. Anyways, um, yeah. It, 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 it's it's just like a pure goon move that that doesn't need to happen in the NHL nowadays. And I watch playoff hockey. I like the physicality of it. You know, I don't love the the all the interference that happens and the fact that some things are a penalty and some aren't. The inconsistency drives me crazy. But I do like the physical brand of hockey. It's just sometimes we go overboard with that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And the the stick stuff is is a joke. Like, you know. It, it, it can't. It's, it's a joke. It's honestly a joke. That it, at least the remainder of this series, if not more, in my opinion, is what Petrangelo should have got. Yeah, George Peros is a uh, an incompetent buffoon, and it's just it's become absurd the way that they've handled these things. There's just no there's no consistency in stuff. There's no consistency in terms of one moment that happens to another. And I saw Oilers fans yesterday complaining that there was two instigator penalties that happened within the last five minutes in the regular season and they those players weren't suspended. There that like there is also this highlights the problem is that those weren't and yep. now this is. And it's just like is it the rule or is it not the rule? And if it's not the rule, then get rid of it. And for sure, you have an issue have an issue with this. If they're not going to apply it, they're not going to apply it. But all of a sudden, you decide you're going to apply it. And it, like this is where people get frustrated. If they had called it in the regular season, as they should have, because it's the rule, 
then nobody's sitting here complaining because it's a well-known thing that this happened. It, it's also like the so the inconsistency is a great point because the Oilers fans are right to be upset that Nurse was called for an instigator when that exact same play could happen over and over in the NHL and many times it wouldn't be called an instigator penalty. Yes. Um, you know, listen, hate to bring it back to the Leafs again, but it's fresh in my mind, so it's pretty easy to go after. But Steven Stamkos going after Austin Matthews in the first round, right? Where it was just like the play is over. He goes, he just basically starts laying into Matthews, and he's not called for an instigator there, which ultimately yeah. turns into a fighting major for both players when one guy just picked another guy out of a scrum and started li literally laying a beating to the guy. It, it, it's a joke. And honestly, George Peros is a joke. The fact, like someone within the league office must see this at this point and be like, at least go back to the days of where Brendan Shanahan would have like those stupid PowerPoint presentations where it was like, this is what we saw on this play. The direct hit to the head. The video player yeah. took four steps to deliver the hit. Well, you know, Department of Player Safety's rule of three game suspension. Like at least there was an explanation there. Now it just seems like haphazard. Everything's just pulled out of hat bullshit. Yeah, they can't show the video of George spinning the wheel. Then it'll give too much away. <laughs> uh, and Jeremy here asking, as someone who isn't on the up and up with smaller hockey rules, why is the rule in place? What's special about the last five minutes can serve full penalty time uh, or can't serve penal full penalty minute time? Um, my speculation, Rob, on what it would be, like what I've always deemed or would be or assumed it would be is because within the last five minutes of the game, if a game is going to get out of hand, you're trying yes. to prevent the idea of people going out there to just, I, I don't know what the right word is, like yep. goon it up or whatever, like if that's how you want to kind of refer to it, but just someone to go out there and just say, hey, I'll fight whoever, because in the last five minutes of the game, a game's out of hand, you could have Connor McDavid out on the ice up a couple of goals and someone says, hey, we're going to send Ryan Reeves to just beat the wheels off of McDavid where you know he's not going to fight. And Reeves might look at it like, hey, this is just a fighting penalty. Well, now, yep. no, it's not. It's a suspension as well. Five minutes is just an arbitrary number for sure, but it's exactly that. Like, you know, I, I played ball hockey for many years, right? And anytime the game, like, there's a three-goal game inside like the last three or four minutes and you're out on the, on the, the floor, I was going to say the ice, you're out on the floor, you know that you're going to get like, shots in the back of the legs there's going to be scrums where guys are just looking to pick fights it's the same with the nhl it's a playoff game you're down your team's down five nothing who's going to go play those last five minutes of the game for the team that's trailing it's going to be the goons it's going to be guys that are going to deliver a message for next game and they're trying to prevent that um so the rule in in my opinion is should be in place we've seen this happen before and that's why the rule was put into place where guys just go out on the ice they target a specific player they go after them they beat the shit out of them and guess what they're going to get the instigator penalty for the game it doesn't matter anymore because they're all games already out of hand there needs to be a consequence moving forwards yeah all right let's get into the game itself here tonight haven't gotten to that yet so let's look at the oilers on the road to vegas for game five looking to try to take the lead in vegas's barn steal one from them there but vegas currently sitting at plus 122 best price available edmonton minus 127 you're seeing the over currently sitting at seven that's the best price plus 115 the under if you shop around you can find this obviously some different books here under six and a half plus 119 at our friends at pinnacle rob what would you be looking to bet on in this game or is there a side or a total that you'd be leaning towards yeah I, I like the under it's um hold your nose special i know people don't want to bet edmonton unders typically um i i either of these prices are justified so uh, i think we can lock in a half unit on the under six and a half at plus money and a half unit on the under seven uh, there's the minus 134 sports interaction or minus 135 widely available. But the big thing for me is the absences of Pietrangelo and Nurse. And typically speaking, the average person is going to be like, oh, two top D-men are out. Let's play the over. But I think that's actually counterintuitive. You look at this season, Evolving Hockey has a metric called goals above replacement. It's an, it's an imperfect metric, but it's pretty decent at giving you like a general idea of players who are uh, offensive players or defensive players. So they split out their, their GAR goals above replacement into offense and defense. And if you look at Darnell, Darnell nurse this year, 
He's worth 7.2 goals above replacement on the offensive side, 1.3 on the defensive side. Pietrangelo, 4.7 offensive side, 0.7 defensive side. So you're losing way more in offense than you are in defense with both of these players. Anyone who watches Darnell Nurse or Alex Pietrangelo, I think would agree with that. You know, I'm not saying that they're liabilities defensively, but it's not the strength of their game. They really push the puck forward and they can move the puck forward. Now you got to see who's like stepping in to fill these voids. Guys like Cody Cece on Edmonton are going to get elevated ice time moving up to play with Brett Kulak. Well, Cody Cece's a black hole on offense. His offensive guard this year was negative 2.9, where he was above average in terms of his even strength defensive guard. Um, for the Vegas Golden Knights, you're going to have a guy like Ben Hutton in there. Ben Hutton, minus 1.3, even strength offensive guard. Again, black hole offensively. So ultimately, even though it's two defensemen out, I think you're losing more in offense altogether than you are in defense. Also, I do have a feeling that what we saw at the end of last game, both coaches are really going to hit home on not taking stupid penalties here. That could shift yeah. the series. We see games five, six, seven tighten up from an officiating point of view. Obviously, I want as few Edmonton power plays as possible when you're betting an under. But I think that this is going to be a game where they try to play within the rules a little bit more, knowing that, you know, keep your cool, can't take any majors, can't do anything stupid that's going to cost the team at this point because it's a very emotional series. So um, I personally think that the under is worth a look here. I mean... I hate betting Edmonton unders, honestly, because of this, I might not even watch the game, but <laughs> I think that there's actual value in this play. Rob, I'll tell you this. I heard this thing yesterday, you know, Barstool, Big Cat, whatever you think about his gambling, whatever, but I thought this was funny. He said that when he bets unders, he just goes to the movies and turns his phone off and then comes back out of the movies after turns his phone on to see if he won or not, just because he doesn't want to have to watch the under take place. I love that. I mean, listen, <laughs> for, for me, you know, for a long time, I don't watch a lot of the games that I actually bet on. I like to watch sports. I'm, I'm like the complete opposite of a traditional sports fan. Like most people will turn on a game and they'll bet it or they'll bet a game and watch it. I don't like I don't like that personally because I don't like, you know, when you lose a bet and you see like some random stupid shit happen, it just it just triggers me. I'd rather not know. You know, I'll wake up in the morning and some people will be like, oh, did you see how our did you see how our, you know, Panthers bet lost yesterday? I'm like, no, don't tell me. I don't care. I don't want to know about how I got screwed um, or like what happened here. So I, I love that. Uh, I used to do that quite a bit. My favorite thing was I used to travel. I, I love traveling in general. I love Europe. I like being in Europe. I think there's a lot of cool places to see. But the time difference is that is, you know not conducive to watching North American sports. It is great though, when you're betting hockey games and the first hockey game is going to start at midnight. And it's like, guess what? I can just wake up in the morning. I can check my phone, see what the scores were. I don't have to have that sweat. Some people live for that sweat. I don't personally. I just, I don't, I don't need it in my life. I just want to see the, I want to see the dollars increase in the accounts and don't have the stress associated with it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, if you've been following along with the Edgework show all season long, your dollars in your account would have continued to increase as we are up 31.3 units on the season, a 3.4% ROI. Uh, we've generated about 0.9% COV so far this year, and that is over the sample of, uh, quick math, about 400 and th or 830 plays, Rob, I think it is. 388, 432, and 12 is our season record so far this year. So if you've been betting along with us on everything we've been betting, it's been a pretty good season so far. And now that being said, honesty and transparency is very important here on this show. And yesterday we did have ourselves a little bit of a rough day. 0 for 4. Uh, it happens. And Rob, you know what happened here in the Pavelski bet? By the oh, hook, the, man. We lost, by the, lost by the hook. At least it wasn't a stat correction or something stupid like that uh, either. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Who who did the show yesterday? It was So Money and, and, and Alex? Russ. Oh, Russ. No, Russ was on yesterday. Yeah. Russ was on yesterday. Well, we're going to have to discuss the Thursday lineup going forward. I know So Money's <laughs> in the chat. Don't know about this Thursday. 
we'll reevaluate, reevaluate the Thursday show. <laughs> so you guys can't be losing bets like the hook, by the hook like this. Look at this over five and a half as well. The three two. I mean, just tough. Well, tough. I mean, when people when 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 players miss wide open nets, it's hard to cash an over. <laughs> yeah, that's goals, true. Point nine nine on the play, like you know, you just literally have to slide it into the net. Uh, anyways, that. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Murat. <laughs> Moretto saying hasn't given out a loser in weeks and uh yeah so many the thursday clowns there you go <laughs> they should have you know what we should institute a rule maybe we'll do it for next season but if you get reversed swept on a night you have to wear the clown paint uh on the face for the next episode i think or that'll like, be a rule going forward <laughs> we'll get everyone like a hammer branded jester hat <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a good idea with with the bells and everything though, so that yes. as they're talking, all you hear is the bells shaking, and jingling and stuff. Yeah, people will just have to deal with it in the show. Uh, all right, here we go. To recap today's plays, what we have, we got three best bets. So we're looking first and foremost to the Toronto Florida game. We're going with a player prop here: William Nylander over three and a half shots on goal, minus one eleven for a full unit. So in the Florida Toronto game, Nylander over three and a half shots on goal. Minus 111. We found that one at the Canby books. Rob said good up to minus 130 there. So if you're looking around, if you're hearing this one later in the day, if it's still available up to minus 130, still playable at that point. And then the final in the Edmonton Vegas game, it's essentially same bet here. We're just breaking this one out into two different ways to play this. So we're going half unit on both. First, we're looking at the under seven minus 135 half unit there to win a half unit there in Vegas Edmonton and then as well we're taking the under six and a half plus 119 half unit there so again in this Edmonton Vegas game splitting this one out under six and a half at plus money plus 119 and then under seven minus 135 half unit there and Rob on both of these plays what would you be comfortable with playing them to so there let me give you my true price on both so under seven, I make minus 152. So there's a pretty decent margin there. Um, and honestly, it's pretty much the equivalent on under six and a half. So you have room on both. I would probably go to like plus 110 or so on under six and a half. And you can go up to like minus low 140s on the uh, on the under seven. Um, I, I actually don't mind splitting the like it's essentially the same bet, right? But one, you're, you're, you're just cutting out some of the juice. The difference with the under seven is it takes eight goals to beat you. So you can, you can salvage a push on seven. But uh, I, I like both of those. Typically speaking, if I just had to play one, I would play the under six and a half at plus money. But I, I do like to split it up in, in instances like that. All right, there you go. Those are our three best bets for today. Again, so under six and a half plus 119 in Vegas Edmonton split half unit under seven minus 135 split half unit and then a full unit on Nylander over three and a half shots on goal minus 111 there and Rob rocking the double leaf so and leafs in the background there as well on the scarf I see everything everything all in here today I you know what I said Wednesday didn't wear didn't wear leaf stuff on the show couldn't do it not for me so not touching it not touching it here today I will be doing the exact same routine I will say this. Wednesday before the Leafs game, played hockey. They won. Mm. Tonight, before, before the Leafs game, I already talked to you about it, playing hockey. If they win tonight, and this goes, I will be renting ice to find ice to get out on the ice before the Leafs next game. I will find a way, Rob. I will find a way, whatever it takes. I'm still so, wearing the same underwear from Wednesday. <laughs> and I'll continue till Sunday if they win tonight. And I'll continue until next week. I'm sure your mom will love that on Mother's no, my, Day. My wife, my wife won't be too too happy about that. Yeah. She's already called me out on it. I'll be honest with you. She's like, what the hell is going on here? I mean, listen, I'm not a superstitious guy, but you never know, right? It's like, it's like, um, do you want to tempt fate? You, 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 there, there's something called like Pascal's wager. Like I, I too much information here, but like, I don't really believe in God for the most part. Oh, but like the whole thing is like, you can believe in God and like, there's really no consequence for believing in God. But if there is God and there's like, you know, eternal life or whatever, then you, you get the benefit of it. 
So like, why not do that? It's the same thing with superstition for me, right? It's like, you know, probably keeping the same clothes on that I was wearing for game three, it probably means nothing. But what if it does mean something? Then like, you know, might as well. I will say this for people out there. My last year of minor lacrosse, okay, we were in the provincial championships. We're playing in that, and uh, we we go into the first game, win the first game, and going into the second game, we decided that what we were going to do is just keep everything the same For, from where we sat in the dressing room to who we sat beside. I put on the same shoes or, or I put on the my shoes in the same order, my socks. Like I got dressed in the exact same order. The guy who sat beside me, he taped my uh, my bicep pads up. He taped the one side first, then he taped the next side the after. Like we did it the exact same order, the same routines from warm-ups off the floor to warm-ups on the floor. We won provincials that year, Rob. We won provincials. And after that, it was like superstitions to me was just obviously that's different because you're playing and it's your mindset of when you're going into playing. But for some reason, it didn't change. It was like as a fan, even all of a sudden I just bought in and was like, huh, well, keep this the same. And you never know. You never know. So mm -hmm. that was what was important to me at that point. Change, change perspective. It changed perspective. You had a provincial championship under your belts after doing everything the exact same way. Look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. But for those out there in the chat, we appreciate you taking the time to watch with us today. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe here to the Edgework HQ YouTube channel. You can also hit like here on this stream, or if you're watching it back, you can hit like on this video. It does help support the channel. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you haven't signed up at some of these sports books that you're looking to, go over to betstamp.app slash edgework as well. If you're in Ontario and you're signing up using those links, there's no reason to not be signed up at Pinnacle. Pinnacle has the best odds for basically every game that we pulled up here today, whether it was in the money lines, in the puck lines, or in the totals, as well as some of the player props. So you're going to want to check them out. Make sure to have a Pinnacle account. That is where the best bettors bet. So you're going to want to join in on the action over at Pinnacle Sportsbook. But thank you to Pinnacle for supporting and sponsoring the show. Rob, thank you for taking the time to do this today. I appreciate it. And for everyone else in the chat, we'll see you guys back here Monday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time for more picks and previews. Enjoy the games tonight. Enjoy the games this weekend. And good luck on your bets. Go Leafs, go.